What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello. The first thing Vivian Dunbar did when she reached the city was to go to a friend's flat. The friend was getting married and moving away, and Vivian was taking over her lease. She hoped that she was also taking over her friend's job. Once settled, she made a phone call, and an hour later, she was entering a cool, dim church, which was swept back of a green handkerchief of lawn. As she crossed the threshold... She heard the whisper of music coming from the organ loft. So she tiptoed up the aisle, sat in the pew, and waited. And when the music had died away, a man stepped quickly down from the loft and came toward her. You're Miss Dunbar? Well, I I didn't think... Yes? Well, I I didn't think that that you'd be quite so young. This is such a large church. (laughs) So you thought I'd have long white hair and a beard, huh? (laughs) Well, such things don't always follow. If you think I'm young, you should see our pastor, the Reverend Andrew Archer Dean. He's youth incarnate. Uh, Betty Hanford recommended you very highly, Miss Dunbar. Well, did she tell you that my voice wasn't very large? Yes, she did. But she also said that it was very sweet. I uh, sort of have an idea the voice is sometimes smaller than necessary because the owner of the voice doesn't know certain tricks of projection. Well, I'll test you out. We'll see what we shall see. tested the young singer, and the test proved to be very satisfactory. And the next Sunday, looking like an angel in her choir robe, with her hair fluffed around her face and her blue eyes earnest, Vivian made her debut. And when the service was over, the young minister, the Reverend Andrew Archer Dean, shook her hand cordially. And the next day, when the organist was about to start a coaching session... I, uh... 
saw you talking after the service yesterday to the Reverend. He was very kind. I said that you were going to coach me. Oh, it, it was all right, wasn't it, for me to tell him? Yes. Yes, indeed. No secret about that. Go on. Well, I said I hoped that I'd show an improvement by next Sunday. <laughs> there isn't too much room for improvement, if you ask me. The, uh... Reverend Andrew Archer Dean is something, isn't he? Yes. He's very handsome. He smiled when he said goodbye. Wished me good luck. Mm -hmm. Nice of him. Um, tell me if you can, Miss Dunbar. What do you think of our Andrew? Well, shall I be... Completely honest? Yes. Then... Well, I, I... I thought at first that he... That he didn't behave like a minister. And then I told myself that... Well, he behaved like... Like an actor playing a minister. Mm -hmm. If you know what I mean. Yes. I do. I know exactly. Uh... Didn't anyone else? But somehow I... Felt that she wasn't quite... Sincere. She said you were one of our more attractive young men. And then she added... Yes? She added what? Oh, nothing. Uh, was it a uh, Miss Hotchkiss? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, she's a rich spinster who resents younger women. Especially when they're beautiful. Where did you study, Miss Dunbar? In a small town in the West. I was coached by a friend of my grandfather's, a very old man. He could no longer sing, but he could tell me what to do. Well, you know, some of the greatest teachers have been old and tired and have lost the ability to sing. Perhaps they're the best teachers of all, because added to technique, they have a great gift of second sight. After our lesson, Miss Dunbar, would you be free to uh, eat luncheon with me? There's a very nice restaurant just around the corner. Oh, I'm sorry, but, um, well, I, I have a great many things to do today. I, I'm not settled as yet, so uh, I think as soon as you're through with me, I'll run along. But thank you very much for the invitation. back again. But first, once the bugle was vital to the functioning of an army, its loud, clear voice giving musical orders could be heard above the din of battle. It could lift the morale of troops at critical moments. It literally dominated the lives of soldiers and sailors, from reveille to the bittersweet taps. Early bugles were made from wild ox horns, and the Roman term for the instrument came from their word for ox, boss. The word buculus, meaning a young steer, was also in use. And from this, the French derived the term bugle horn. And finally, when the great musician Joseph Haydn wrote the first modern bugle calls in 1793, it was bugle. 
Even with modern systems of communication, the bugle is still with us, important for ceremonies. When you next hear taps, think back with pride to a heroic young Roland of Charlemagne's day, blowing his own taps on the field of battle. In this complex world, where word meanings are constantly changing, it's easy to be misunderstood. That's why it's a good idea to know your words. And now, back to our story with Hope Winslow. Norman thought when he'd finished with his coaching session, I hope I'll never be through with her. And Vivian thought regretfully of the thing that the spinster Miss Hotchkiss had added about Norman. He's one of our more attractive young men. It's a pity he already has a woman in his life. She told herself, I wish he hadn't, as she walked toward the cheap furnished apartment she'd taken over from a friend. She stopped to buy groceries, too many groceries, for a girl alone. And Norman, stacking his music together neatly, heard a sharp little cough at his elbow and turned. <coughs> oh, uh, Mr. Pierce? Miss Hodgkiss, how nice to see you. Are you too busy, Mr. Pierce, to have a little chat with me? I'm never too busy to have a little chat with you, Miss Hodgkiss. Won't you sit down? Thank you. Well, as you know, Mr. Pierce, I'm very much interested in the conduct of church activities. The, uh, conduct of church activities? Well, I perhaps should say, uh, the way in which choir matters are conducted. Mm -hmm. Since I'm consulted when anyone is added to our staff, I'm referring, of course, to, um... Yes? Uh, to the blonde girl, uh, Miss Vivian Dunbar. Did she come highly recommended? Oh, very. Yes, Betty Hanford recommended her. When Betty decided suddenly to leave us, we had to find a replacement who had her type of voice, but fast. Oh. Well, I, I can't help wondering why Miss Hanford was married so hastily. It always seems a bit odd when a young girl rushes off to get married. Well, I can explain Betty's reason for, as you say, rushing off. Oh? Her sweetheart was being transferred to another city. He didn't want to go without her. Well, of course, in that case... Um, Betty Hanford had a stage background, as I understand it. Yes, that's right. Many choirs have talent that's drawn from the theater or the opera. And I don't approve of it. Uh, was Miss Dunbar also recruited from the theater? Her last job was neither a singing nor an acting job. But before that... I, uh, I've scarcely had time to go into her private life very deeply, Miss Hodgkins. No, I suppose not. And she has very definite surface attractions... Well, after church on Sunday, I took a few people home for luncheon. Uh, Mr. Snodgrass, our senior vestryman, was one of them. Uh, he said that he'd seen Miss Dunbar somewhere. He couldn't remember where, but he was, well, a bit worried. Well, I'm sure Mr. Snodgrass would never have been in a place himself that wasn't entirely above reproach. So it follows that if he has seen Miss Dunbar anywhere... Well, I see what you mean. <laughs> well, enough said for today. But I'll keep my ear to the ground. During the next week, Vivian Dunbar had four lessons with Norman Pierce and turned down four luncheon invitations. Too bad there's another woman in his life. Then on the following Sunday after church, Norman Pierce was again confronted by Miss Hotchkiss. Well, I must say that your coaching has helped Miss Dunbar a great deal, Mr. Pierce. You must have been very uh, diligent. 
In a manner of speaking, I was. In a manner of speaking? Oh. Well, it troubles me when such a pretty girl, such a talented girl, allows herself to get involved. She isn't involved with me, if that's what you mean. Well, I didn't mean any such thing. I just happened to be going past the apartment house in which she lives. It's only a couple of blocks from this church, but the neighborhood is so different. It falls away sharply. And she was carrying a huge bag of groceries, and I asked her where she did her marketing, and she told me. And on my way home, I happened to be passing the market. Yes. Well, I trade there myself, off and on. And I often chat with Henry. He's one of the grocery clerks. Mm -hmm. He told me that Miss Dunbar bought a vast amount of food for one person. Is she living alone in Betty's apartment, Mr. Pierce? I haven't the vaguest idea, Miss Hotchkiss. I know nothing of Miss Dunbar's personal habits. Oh? Why don't you ask Mr. Snodgrass? Could be. He's more hep than I am. Really? You're being quite short with me, Mr. Pierce. I... Uh... people at cross purposes, victims of the same gossiping tongue. One day, Norman Pierce came to the end of a coaching session and spoke abruptly. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Uh, look, I, I'm tired of calling you Miss Dunbar. <laughs> Do you know something? I'm tired of being called Miss Dunbar by you, Norman. Go ahead with the list of questions. Well, Vivian, are you engaged? No, I'm not engaged. Are you married or something? They are rather strange questions. I could ask you a few of the same sort. Go ahead. Turn and turn about's only fair. But I won't. Am I to sing at the Barrow wedding? The Reverend said something about, oh, promise me. It'll mean extra money if you do. Then I'll... Um... Vivian, did, did you ever know Mr. Snodgrass before you came to this church? You mean the senior vestryman? Mm -hmm. No, indeed, I never did. And I hope I never know him after I leave this church either. He's quite an unpleasant person. You're not... When you get married, Mr. Pierce, I'll sing old promise me at your wedding. I'm not getting married at the moment. Will you go to luncheon with me today? I... I must hurry home. I'm sorry. Why do you always hurry home to that empty little flat? We didn't. I hurry home because I, I like to be home. It's a long while since I've had a place of my own, and I'm cooking home tonight. Are you a good cook? I'm better than fair. Mm -hmm. Why don't you ask me up to your place sometime? Cook me a dinner. Miss Hotchkiss and Mr. Snodgrass got wind of the fact that I was cooking for you in my own apartment... I'd be in the soup up to my neck. It would be a very thick soup. Oh, don't frown at me like that, Norman. Please don't. Or I'll think you're angry at me. In just a moment, Hope Winslow will be back. They say that clothes make the man. A smart-looking uniform can do even more. And oddly enough, military uniforms usually have been patterned after the civilian clothes of the day, with some pretty fancy additions, of course. The buckskin-clad rifleman soldier of 1775 was dressed the same as the frontier trapper. 
the naval seaman the same as the merchant sailor. It wasn't until the new American government was able to get enough money scraped together that uniforms started to get fancy. But the uniforms weren't really uniform. The infantry had one color combination, and the artillery had another. Even most regiments were dressed differently. Some uniforms were blue and white. Some were red and white. And others were red, white, and blue. Oh, yes, it looked like a pretty patriotic army. But each man also made an excellent target. It was more than a hundred years before it was decided that all the frills and colors, plumes and gold braid would make a better dress uniform than fighting clothes. As battle tactics and weapons changed, so did the uniforms. Today, the American fighting man has a greater chance of survival in a uniform that blends with nature. And it's a uniform to be proud of for the great American heritage it represents. When there's so much smoke, somebody has to choke on it eventually. There came a day when Miss Hotchkiss stopped Norman Pierce on the street. She was beaming. And he knew before she said a word that she'd had something devastating to project. I was walking past Tony's shoe shine and repair parlor. You know, it's a couple of blocks from here. And I saw her through the plate glass window. Her? Oh, Vivian Dunbar, of course. She was picking up a pair of shoes that she'd left there to be repaired. And they were men's shoes. Yes, it crystallizes all of my thinking. And on top of that, Mr. Snodgrass has remembered where he saw her. I'm not interested. Oh, yes, you are. You're human. At a cheap movie theater in a Middle Western city. I'm surprised he ever goes to movies. Well, he was visiting some friends, and they took him to the theater. Before the show started and the lights were on, she was the usher who showed them to their seats. And she looked as if she'd been crying. It seemed to me that anyone with her back... Miss Hotchkiss, I'm tired of all this, and I'm sure there's nothing in her background to be ashamed of. Now, if you think differently, you can take the matter up with the young lady herself. I'm on my way to the church now. She's waiting for me there. We're going to practice for a wedding. So you come along with me and make your charges to her face for a change instead of behind her back. Really, Mr. Pierce, you can't force me to do any such thing. Oh, but I can. Otherwise, I'll go to the Reverend and tell him what you've been doing to this girl. And I'm willing to bet a million dollars to one dollar that she's innocent of any wrong. Well, it's her word against mine, Mr. Pierce. Very well. I'll come with you. Vivian was in the choir room in the back of the church. She was sitting at the table on which they sorted the music, staring straight ahead when Norman and Miss Hotchkiss came in sight. She looked up with a start, and then she rose slowly. She didn't speak. It was Norman who broke the ice. Look, Vivian, as I don't have to tell you, Miss Hotchkiss has been gunning for you ever since you took Betty's place in the choir. She's insinuated things, she's hinted at things, and I want you to answer them. If you can. What are the accusations? Well, I'll state them. In the first place, Mr. Snodgrass has always felt that he saw you somewhere before you came to this place. And all at once he's remembered. He was in a movie theater in a middle western city, and you were an usher. And you looked as if you had been crying. Yes, I worked in that theater. You see? Why were you crying, Miss Dunbar? You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. But I want to. A man I know had been taken sick. And he needed medical care. Didn't have any money to pay for it. And I had tried for a loan and they wouldn't give it to me. And 
I had good reason to cry. What was this man to you? A dear friend. I see. Is he the man whose shoes you had mended at Tony's Shoeshine and Repair Parlor? Yes. And is he the one for whom you buy such an enormous amount of food, more than one girl could possibly eat alone? It's more than I could possibly eat alone, Miss Hotchkiss. It isn't an enormous amount. He has a very small appetite. You see what I mean, Mr. Pierce? She's admitted every charge. Even so, I trust her implicitly. Now, look, Vivian. Miss Hotchkiss may have you dismissed from the choir, but I refuse to believe that you've done anything wrong. I wish you'd marry me. Let me take care of well, you. How can you, Norman, when you have another woman in your life? Who said I had another woman in my life? Well, Miss Hotchkiss. For your information, Miss Hotchkiss, the man whose shoes I had mended, the man I'm supporting, the man who needed medical attention and nursing, is 86 years old, and his right side is paralyzed. I owe him a great debt. He gave me my first lessons in singing. In his day, he was one of the greatest. But now he's penniless and friendless. I told you about him, Norman. Yes, you did, but I never put two and two together. Oh, darling, when I think that we might have gone on without knowing the truth about each other. But for Miss Hotchkiss. <laughs> Miss Hotchkiss, Vivian and I... Oh, you're a debt of gratitude. One that we'll never be able to repay. And... Don't say any more, Norman. She's walking out with her nose in the air. Oh, Norman. Do you really love me? Standings can grow up out of nothing, and then they can grow from peanut size to mountain size quicker than you suppose. You've heard about the Reverend Andrew Archer Dean, the pastor of St. Barnabas on the Avenue, but you haven't encountered him as yet. And now, here is Hope Winslow to tell you more about the Reverend Andrew Archer Dean. Well, you'll meet the young pastor in his hour of trial and discouragement, when it seemed as if he had lost his way. And you'll meet someone else who was lost, too. Until then, this is Hope Winslow saying goodbye from the Whispering Sea. Today's program was written by Margaret E. Sankster. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.